What a joy to be here today. We've just come through a remarkable time. And I'm not talking about COVID, not talking about this last year. I'm just talking about Christmas. Because really, it's what somebody a long time ago called the greatest story ever told. The greatest story ever told. Because God became man. God took on human flesh. And that's the only way he could reach us in these particular days. So we're going to be talking about story this morning. A little bit different to a regular normal preaching time. I just want to share what's on my heart. You know, everybody loves a story. I wonder what your favorite stories are. In fact, there was there's one that we just sang, uh, really, not the, story, not the song itself, but the one a little early on, Amazing Grace, brings to mind one of my favorite stories about this man called John Newton. And John Newton uh, uh, was a, a slave trader for many years and then became a believer. And after that, eventually became a wonderful abolitionist who worked hard to end the slave trade. The negative side of it for me is that he did most of his slave trading trips from my hometown of Liverpool, uh, which was really built a lot of its, built a lot of its uh, wealth in the 1700s from the slave trade. So that's no cause for celebration, is it? But the story of how God changed him has been a remarkable one in my life. And it was a joy one time to be over in England and go to find, um, <clears throat> excuse me, John Newton's church and see just where he was and where he wrote this particular song. What a joy. But I wonder what your favorite story is, you know, because every culture has its stories. And um, some of them are handed down from, by mouth, word of mouth, from generation to generation. In fact, that's where a lot of our early history comes from. And we know that in Canada very well, because now that we've come to respect and understand our First Nations in this country, we know that for many thousands of years, they've been handing down story, story to story, from person to person, elders to the next generation. And, you know, that's just reminiscent of the Jewish people, God's people, just handing down the stories before they were ever written. What's some of your favorite stories? Stories you've read again and again and again. I used to get in trouble with my mother when I was young because I just loved to read. She wasn't bothered about me reading. She was just bothered about me keeping the light on at nighttime when she'd switched it off and I'd gone and put it back on again because I was determined to read this book and continue to finish it. I don't know about you, but I just love to read. And I've read lots of books all my life. And, you know, it just, it, I get immersed in the story. I can find myself to be that character. Whether it be male or female, my emotions just move out that direction. What about you? Where are your stories coming from? Are they stories you've read and read and read again? Or these days, are they stories mainly from movies or videos and TV that you've watched and watched and watched again? I'm amazed how much of video stuff and um, TVs and, and, and uh, movies that so many people spend time on these days. I mean, I must admit there are certain ones I like from time to time, 
But you know, it's so easy to get so caught up in these that we lose the real thread of the real story. But I know that I'm one of the privileged ones. You may be one of the privileged ones too. I hope you were. One of those who from a child has learned the stories of the Bible. Apostle Paul, when he was talking to Timothy in his second book, when he was trying to get Timothy ready for the fact that he wasn't going to be around very long, that Paul wasn't going to be around very long, in the, the beginning of, in the middle of that, uh, that uh, book, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 to 17, he said, And from a child, you have known the holy scriptures, which have been able to make you wise unto salvation. I wonder how many stories you've known from childhood. Which ones were your favorites from then? I've had lots of stories that are my favorites. I was thinking about them this morning um, and over the last few days particularly. And I pulled out some of the books this morning that have been some of my favorite ones. And some of these you might like, some of them might, you might not like. Some of these you might find controversial, I don't know, but let's move on with it. Irene and I, when we were growing up, we were very touched by missionary stories. And the church we grew up in was very keen to feed us lots and lots of missionary stories. So I grew up with this sense of call, and I longed for a sense of call, but I was too scared about it all. I didn't want that sense of call because I didn't want to go heading into the jungles and dealing with snakes and, and all these wild animals and people I didn't know, languages I didn't understand, but they thrilled me. They thrilled me to see what God was doing. Two of those stories that came not from my childhood but later on were by Don Richardson. Some of you have read the books, Peace Child and Eternity in Their Hearts. If you've never read those two in terms of missions, that's a, they're a wonderful place to start. Dr. Helen Rosevear was one of my favorites from when I was in my, about my 20s with her book, Give Me This Mountain. That's a, an incredible story of struggle and difficulty as a, a woman, a young woman at the time, moving off in, on her own into being uh, a missionary in places which were very hard. There's a glorious story comes out of that about a hot water bottle. You need to look that one up. It's really quite remarkable how God answered prayer in an amazing way. And then, of course, not necessarily Christian stories, but in the 80s, there was uh, an, an, an awful lot of stories called, out of a, a series called Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I wonder if you've got some of those on your shelf, because there's lots of them being printed in different ways. Just collections of stories that really hit the top, uh, the top of the bestseller list for a long, long time. Are positive, encouraging, intriguing stories. In fact, I'm not sure whether it was out of there, but I noticed on our Mayor Richard Stewart's post uh, yesterday, uh, it's going around quite a lot, an old story uh, that I read once again, and people were saying this was brand new to them, and they were just moved to tears about this Christmas story that he'd put on there. Stories really change us. One of my favorites uh, that I've bought over and over and over again, every time I've seen them in secondhand bookstores or in thrift stores, I've just snapped them up for cents, and I've given them away to all sorts of people by a man called Harold Hill, How to Live Like a King's Kid. If you've never read that book, it's fascinating, it's fun, it's a bit controversial here and there, but it's really written by a man who 
deeply loved the Lord, but wasn't, I wasn't one to hold back in putting his faith forward in a mighty way. But what I want to quote to you this morning, uh, if I may, is one that has, has um, really, really blessed me over the years, even though this is not from one, a person who would be considered uh, to stand for the same basic evangelical things as we do. Uh, but you've probably seen this one. It's called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's a, it's a wonderful little credo of his. Uh, and he said, All I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to, be, how to be I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school, these are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that are yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some. And draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap, take a nap every afternoon. When you go out together in the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Wonder. I watched a clip this morning before I came out on CBC of Peter Mansbridge's interview years ago with Desmond Tutu, who just passed away at the age of 90. And um, <clears throat> Peter Mansbridge asked him, out of all the things you've done, what is it that you really want to see happen in this world? And he was really a very staunch uh, activist for equality in every area that he possibly could. And he said, what I want is for people to remember that we are all family. We're all family. And we should be treating each other as family. Whether it's government to government, or whether it's culture to culture, or whether it's individual to individual, he said that answers all the problems in the world. And that's what we learned in kindergarten. When you go out into the world, watch out for the traffic, hold hands, and stick together. But it finishes off with this wonderful word, wonder. Look, don't miss things. Keep your eyes open, because that's where God is when you least expect him. And then, of course, that amazing message by one of my other controversial likes, Dr. Tony Campolo. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. If you've never watched his sermon called that, it's all about Easter, of course. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And a glorious story he wrote in The Kingdom of God is a Party was his story about going into a, a diner in the middle of Philadelphia at three o'clock in the morning because his, his jet lag had caught up with, hadn't caught up with him properly yet. And so he was up that time in the morning looking for somewhere to eat. And he goes into this diner. And while he's in there, all of a sudden, there are a whole pile of young women, uh, obviously prostitutes, come charging into this diner, obviously their usual place, and surround him in many ways on all the seats. And he wasn't quite sure what to do. And he was just about ready to head out the door when he heard one of them say something like, it's my birthday tomorrow. 
And one of the other girls looked at it and said, well, what do you want me to do? Hold your birthday party. And all of a sudden, Tony Campolo decided what he was going to do was do something very strange, which he'd never done before. He talked to the guy behind the counter who was a character who was uh, an inner city character. He wasn't sure how this guy was going to react. But he said to him, do these girls come in here every day? He said, yeah, every day about this time of the morning. They're always here. So he said, I want you to help me. So he said, we're going to have a birthday party for this girl, Agnes, but you've got to keep it to yourself. Well, if you want to know more about that story, you better get a look into Tony Campbell's book, The Kingdom of God is a Party. The Kingdom of God is a Party. You can actually look it up online, and they do give the story if you want to check it up. But you know, Solomon said a very wise thing in his day, and that was, of the making of books, there is no end. And I've often thought to myself, Solomon, you didn't know the beginning of it. When you look around the world today and you look around the printed world and you look around now about the internet world and all the stories that are on there, the books that are on there, people thought books would go out of style. They just seem to have multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. I was with some friends yesterday, Christmas Day, and they were so thrilled to be getting books from different people. It was just a wonder in their eyes when they saw, this is the last book of the series. I've been waiting for this one. But I want to assure you, our Heavenly Father has given us lots of stories. Hebrews 11 really shows it all in detail, as much as it could do. Cain and Abel, Enoch, Noah and the flood, Abraham and Sarah and the miraculous birth of Isaac, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, Jacob and Esau, Moses with the Egyptian that he killed, the Israelites and the Red Sea, Joshua, Jerich, Jericho, and Rahab. And you know, in those stories, God is always careful to tell the truth, whether it be good or whether it be bad. He wasn't just prettying up the stories to tell us. They're there in all their rawness so very often. But I love this section of Hebrews 11. And what shall I more say? He's running out of energy and time right now. I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel, and the prophets. Whenever I get to those verses, I'm thinking, oh, come on. Whether it was Paul or some other apostle that wrote Hebrews, nobody really knows. But I come and say, come on. Why don't you give time to those? There's some of the best stories. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Then he goes on, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies, women received the back of their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even changed and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. 
They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. I wonder when you've last visited some of those stories. I ask as a, a guy who's been preaching for many years, and I did a lot of itinerant preaching. That means I just went around all sorts of places all over North America and Europe and different places in the West Indies and all over Britain. And I became astounded many, many times when I deliberately often re referenced stories in the Old Testament and there were absolute blanks on the faces of the, all these people who were in churches, filling the churches. They didn't know what I was talking about. I asked them to fill, it, fill in the end of this story. What happened then? Silence. Silence so many times. But you know, if I'd asked many of the people what the latest movie was, or what they'd just seen on TV last night, which story they loved, they'd be able to tell me pretty fast. And I thought, oh dear Lord. Oh dear Lord. I thought, what can we do? What can we do? So I've sought through my life to be able to challenge people about getting back into the reality of the Word of God. Reality of the stories for themselves. Because all, all these things were written for our examples. That we might follow in their steps. Or that we might not follow in their steps in some cases, the scripture says. So that we might just be careful about what we're doing. Because when we get to be with the Lord and we have to give an account of our lives... Uh, if, we, if we have been born again of Jesus and if, he's, if we have asked him to save us from our sin, we, he will not judge us anymore. But I still have an absolute assurance in my heart that we're going to give account for our lives and how we've spent them or misspent them, especially if we're believers. How many of the missionary stories do you follow? Do you know what's going on in the world right now? Are you, are you hearing what's going on in Christian work around the world right now? Do you have stories in your mind, in your heart, that you can share with other people? What about the heroes of the faith since Hebrews was written? Because that just has carried on through the last 2,000 years. Some incredible stories have come through of men and women of God, even of children who have been just so used of the Lord in amazing ways. And then, of course... There's Jesus, the master storyteller. Now, there's an important place for theology. You see that in Jesus when he's dealing with the, the, the top people in the, in, the, in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He argues with them and points out clarity with them. But with everybody else, he had an even bigger place for story that demonstrated true theology. The ordinary people heard him gladly, the scripture says. They marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, no one ever spoke like this man. When you've been in company with others, what do you think they remember about you? What do they remember about me? What are the things you say or they talk about? It's fascinating. Isn't it? I would have loved to have had a little microphone in every Christmas gathering yesterday, wherever the people of God were. And I'd love to have heard all the stories that were being shared around the table. <clears throat> this year, my Christmas fell apart because my daughter in Whistler, where we were all going to have Christmas, 
she was tested for and found <clears throat> that she was positive for Omicron just before Christmas. Also, the roads were bad, and uh, there I was advised, I, we just made the decision that we weren't going up to, uh, to Whistler. My son was on his own in Surrey, my daughter in, in, in uh, Delta, and we weren't quite sure what to do. By the, just as the moment happened that that happened, my next door neighbors who have been wonderfully like family to us, they're not believers at this point, um, but they love people. They love people. They knocked on the door. What did they say? It's all right, we've got it all sorted out for you. <laughs> and off we went to their son and daughter-in-law's house for the rest of the day. What a, what a joy that was. We've come to love them very much. They've treated us like family. They, they, uh, and we've, we've been like family to them. It's been a wonderful time of these last four years. And um, they have watched out for me like I wouldn't believe. And the stories we told around the table last night were a really extremely funny mixture. But you know, it was friendship. And what do, they, what do people go away with? I went away with lots of stuff from their stories. I don't know what they went away with from mine, but it sounded as things weren't going okay. What about you? You see, everybody has a story. You've got a story. It may be a family story. If you're into genealogy, you may be able to go back a few hundred years and tell a story. But most likely, it's a personal story. Because you've, everybody's got a story. That's what I love to ask people when I first get to know them. Tell me your story. Tell me all about yourself. We had um, a, couple, uh, a, trip, um, a couple here for a few weeks. They've just come back to Ontario to get married. Friends of Reese, And I met them just a couple of Sundays ago. And I asked them about themselves, asked them where they were from. And they said, oh, we're from, he said, I'm from Stouffville in Ontario. I said, well, I happen to know that place because that's where we first lived when we came into Canada. He said, that's not, that, it can't be right. Stouffville, you mean Stouffville? I said, yeah, just a little Stouffville back there. I said, actually, the pastor of the church down the road comes from Stouffville too. And so he laughed about it. I said, so where did you go in Stouffville? Where did, which school did you go to? He said, well, this guy Tim said, I went to Stouffville Christian School. I said, when was that? So he told me. And he said, I said, well, Ah, uh, you probably knew a principal there by the name of Anne Carter, didn't you? Yeah, I knew her. I said, well, she's known me since we were both 11, back in Liverpool. He said, never. I said, yes. I said, I'll call her this afternoon. What's your name again? What's your last name? He said, Barker. I said, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> you've got to be kidding. He said, why? I said, my name's Barker, too. So we had a big laugh. It was a lot of fun. Great story. But it was a true one, right? So I called my friend Anne and uh, said to her, do you remember any of a family by the name of and Barker in your school? Yeah, she said, I do remember. But I'm not quite, I, could, I haven't got quite the, my, my mind yet. So she called me back the next day. She just checked it out. And she realized who this was. 
So it's been fun to do that. But it's, it's when you start to ask people their stories, you never know what's going to come out. Now, doing that with people who don't know the Lord brings all sorts of opportunities as well to know where they're from. What's your personal story? There's a wonderful old English word called rehearse. And it's not the word that means practice acting up on the stage. No, it means to retell, to redo it, to retell. Because it really is connected with acting in that way, that you're retelling a story. But you know, that's what the children of Israel did all through those years. When they got together for festivals, they would retell their stories. And that's why all the genealogies are so important in the Bible. Because they retell all the way through what that really meant to them and where their roots are. What's your spiritual genealogy? You ever thought about that? What's your spiritual genealogy? Who was it that God used in your life to bring you to Jesus? And what about their stories? I find lots of Christians find it very difficult to open up conversations about Jesus with other people. And if you're one of those, I sympathize with you because when I was much younger, I used to hide at the back of the church if anybody was in an open testimony time. I used to put my head down so nobody would see me and ask me because I just didn't know where to go with it until the Lord really got a hold of my life through the input of other people. And my story became real. And then it was as if then I needed to say who I was wherever I went, but not just in people's faces. The most wonderful way to do it is through story. Find out someone else's story. Share your story. Are you ready for that? Do you rehearse it enough? Do you go over it enough? Do you journal it? Do you write it down? Do you type it? Do you put it into, in, on, on, into your computer? Writing stuff down is a wonderful way to secure your story. I hope you do. I can't go into it all now because we haven't got the time, but Psalm 107, which we'll just show some of on the screen there. <clears throat> Psalm 107 um, goes... I'm just seeing whether I've got it on here. I don't think I have. But um, if it's up there, let's have a look at it. I tell you what, I'm just going to read out something here. And you, if you're at home, you read verse 2, okay? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Say it with me at home. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he carried, gathered from the lands from east and west, north and south. But look at the next few verses. This is a pattern that goes on through the psalm. There are four times when this story comes up and in different ways. First of all, it starts off with a problem. And then it says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Then it's where the problem ended and then what they did. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Why? Because he satisfied satisfy them with good things. Look at that psalm when you go home, Psalm 107. You'll see four times there are four different stories going through the same thing. There's the problem. Then they cried to the Lord in their distress, and he answered them. How did he answer them? He tells you how he answered them. And then, so then, 
let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It, that's what it says later on further down. Let, let them tell, praise the Lord for his wonderful works to the children of men. Because, now if you go there through that story, you'll see it four times in different ways. And the wonderful thing is, that's the easiest way to work out your own story. What was it that brought you to Jesus? Or what happened in your life? One of my, <clears throat> one of my favorite phrases is, well, let me just tell you what happened to me <laughs> and move into this situation where we're talking about it. Let me tell you what happened to me. People are always interested in your story. So you, you say, here's the problem. This is what happened. And I cried out to the Lord in my trouble. And this is how he answered. So I want to just praise the Lord for his goodness to the children of men. Why would he be so good to me when he answered prayer like that? And this is why. It's a wonderful, wonderful, simple way of sorting out our own stories. So what about your story? <clears throat> I'd love to see what you do with that over the next week. And I'd love to be able next week when we gather together again, if we're able to gather again, together again, or next time I see you, I'd love to be able to ask you, well, what, what did you do about your story? What did you do about your story? I think that <clears throat> as we come bring this, these thoughts, this is not a sermon today, just sharing my heart. As we think these thoughts more to an end right now, I want to suggest something else too. A merry heart does good like a medicine. I want to go back to that book, All I Really Need, All I really need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. I don't agree with the theology of this particular man uh, as, as he went later in his life, but I do love his stories. And I remember times around the table uh, Sometimes in our house when our kids are a bit younger. And I was reading some of these stories. They're not theological stories at all. But what, there was one particular time and there was one story as I read it. Quite a long one. And it just made me laugh. Every time I, 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 I read this story, our whole family was in, in what we used to call in England, in pleats or in stitches, laughing away. I think for them... Half of it was the story, and half of them was laughing at me because I couldn't get this story out without laughing my head off. And you know, every one of us felt so much better after that. I'm so sad when I see that being uh, replaced by some of the dreadful stuff we sit and watch on television. Some of the stuff we feel is, oh, wasn't that a great movie? And yet people were killing each other all over the place. People were swearing like mad. All the various things that go on. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who shall dwell in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. God doesn't ask for much. He just asks for us to know his story. To know all about him. And then look at every other story in the light of his story. Look at every other story in the light of his story. Do we know it that well enough? And then to see our own story in the light of his story. What will you do with this today? Will you take it home? Or will you take it down at home? Will you just 
write about these things? Will you take some time? Because most people maybe have a day off here and there, and we've got another holiday period coming over New Year's Day and New Year's Eve. Why don't you take some time to work on your story before we enter in to a whole new year called 2022, which we're trusting the Lord will not be like 2021. Right? But what if it is? What will we do with it? We need to make sure that we're into the stories of God and the stories of God are into us. And that makes us make our own story so right with God that when we're able to share with others, we'll be able to work in the story of Jesus because of what he's done in our lives. The Lord bless you. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, it seems you always just help me to deliver my heart, and I thank you. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you will help us not to forget, not to forget the stories of the Lord, not to forget the stories of Jesus, not to forget our own story, and not to forget to find out others' stories so we can share the blessings of being with Jesus. In your precious name, amen.